Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Two for flinching, written by Hexchem. The wayfaring ghost was one of the better taverns in the outer room. There was space enough for the larger species in the Greater Galactic Federation, and the menu of offerings was diverse enough to ensure that no patron needed to worry about their particular nutritional needs that would be missed. Combining these traits with a strict no-predation policy enforced by the finest automated laser turrets available to commercial market, the tavern found itself lacking in business. Today was no different. The gathering of Geika were sitting in the table, sharing a platter of Slytherian fish, while a nearby lone soil nursed three different drinks with three different mouths, all the while arguing with itself quietly. The proprietor, a tall Cadian, who went by Bob, then named selected because nearly every species in the sector could usually pronounce it well enough to get his attention, stood wiping several glasses at the bar during the lull in orders. A low rumble moved through the floor, followed by another, slightly harder. By a third rumble, Bob had reached under the bar and flipped the cover of the hidden switch. He hadn't seen it, but he could feel the words under his fingertips. Present case of rog attack. The general susurrus of the bar died away in heavy silence. Every patron knew the sound of rog footsteps. The only thing to do now was to wait and see if the rog came for food or for violence. The dusty light filtering through the doorway was shoved aside by a massive form as the thudding footsteps came closer. Bob took a deep breath and steeled himself. The door swung open with a massive hand behind it. A towering creature stepped inside clad in scorched rock battle armor. The more observant of the patrons noted the insignia on the chest. This was a Hyperion, some of the rock elite guard. Bob silently wondered if his auto turrets would be enough. The rock cast his gaze around the patrons, all of whom were watching him with a mixture of fear and awe. Spotting the bartender, the rock released his grip on the door and lumbered forward, stooping under the light fixtures as he moved. He stopped at the bar, placing both hands on the rail that had groaned in protest under his weight, and he leaned forward to look Bob in the eye. Bob, his finger still on the button, spoke calmly. Mother B. The rock lifted himself up to full height, his armor plates grinding against each other as he went. Feast, he roared. Bob removed his finger from the button and flipped the cover closed. In fact, feast for everyone. The patrons visibly relaxed. The rog may be a terrifying species to behold, and a Hyperion even more so, but a rog declaring feast held the honor and harmed none while breaking bread. If there was no deadlier place than across a battlefield from a rog, then there was no safer place than across the dinner table. Bob quickly tapped out a series of commands on his nearby console, and in the kitchen set about making the delicacies for every species currently in the bar. You have a name, friend? Bob asked. Call me Rocky, came the reply. Not exactly a traditional name for a rug, is it? Rocky chuckled. Not exactly, no. It's actually a name I got from the group of humans I met. Humans? Never heard of them. They from the sector? No. Oh. 
Not at all. They're pretty new to the galaxy, actually. I think they only managed FTL maybe a few rotations ago. Barely two of the generations, by my understanding of their lifespans. So how do they give you a new name? Well, it turns out they give these names to people they like. See, they've got those personal names like you and me. They've got family names, just like the Cricker over there. For legal purposes, most humans go by those two names, personal and familial. But unofficially, humans can earn additional names from inside their own social clusters. It's a very complex, but in any case, they gave me one. Mind if I ask how you accomplished that from a new species? Oh yeah, they gave it to me after the ceasefire. The noise in the bar had crept back in over. The generation's feast stopped suddenly. Everyone was listening now. Bob looked confused. Did you say ceasefire? Rocky nodded, grabbing a handful of polko nuts from the tray and was zipping by. Oh yeah, he said through crunch. On Terra, their homeworld, we were celebrating a truce of our people had struck. Rocky pulled up one larger chair of the establishment and sat down. The other patrons had dropped all pretense of keeping themselves and gathered around. Even the self-arguing Thoyle focused in all three of its attentions on Rocky. Okay, I can see this is going to be storytelling. Rocky tapped his forearm rapidly and his armor panels disengaged and putting away, letting him relax a bit more. One of the panels struck, grinding against the housing. He punched it hard and then immediately shoved the plate away. They really did some damage there. So, let me start at the beginning. My squadron and I were aboard one of the battle cruisers. There was a newly discovered world with lots of resources, and from our understanding, a weak fledgling race called the Humans. We were dispatched to, um, harvest these resources. We entered their space, deciphered their linguistic patterns for the communications, and sent over our own message down to them. It was the usual, stand aside and nobody will be harmed kind of message. We targeted dropships all over their planet, thinking that it would be just a simple harvest. No battles to be had, no heroes to be made. The first wave of ships were obliterated as they fell. These creatures had unleashed uncontrolled fission bombs in their own atmosphere to destroy our ships. Thousands upon thousands of our warriors were vaporized in the holy fires of the first blood. We sent everything we had to overwhelm their defenses, and we activated the counter-defenses to ensure no more of their missiles would reach our ships. First blood is an honor, but to allow it to go unanswered is insane. Our ships landed across their world, and their fighters poured forth. These humans were amazing. They answered with everything from trained military units with assault weapons and more bombs all the way down to rocks and sticks. At every step of the march, we had to pay a toll to these little mad creatures. I heard reports of one of our scouts being set upon by half a dozen of them. They used lengths of metal to pry the armor plates off of him and rip him in from it. I'm told his screams were legendary. The weaponry was nowhere near our own, but they still fought with the savagery of an ancient beasts of our homeworld. It was a magnificence to behold. For six local weeks, we pushed and pushed at them. They pushed back, solidifying their lines, ceasing their internal squabbles, and focusing even more intently upon us. At the start of the seventh week, the advances stalled on every front. At every turn, we were blocked. We could not push them any further, and when we stalled our advance, they attacked with a new fury. Our momentary hesitation had signaled to them that we could be broken. We threw everything we could back just to dig in. 
For the first time in our species' living history, we had come to a stalemate. Our leaders called for a talk with their leaders, the United Nations spoke with our war leaders, and together we came to an accord. We would withdraw from their world and seek no resources, and in turn they would seek no ongoing conflict. We would come to work together. We would redirect the need to fight towards less permanent forms of destruction. They showed us many sports like boxing and football and rugby, and we taught them grab punching, space diving, and dodge asteroid. We put away our weapons and gathered together all over the world to celebrate this newfound alliance. I sat with a group of soldiers in the western area of the continent they call North America, and they taught me a game that seemed to explain to me the entirety of their approach to combat. One soldier stood before me, raised his fist, and he swung it at my shoulder, but stopped just before connecting. I, like any trained warrior, moved reflexively to block the blow, but missed because he didn't connect. He smiled at me and swung again, connecting harmlessly with my other shoulder plate, then hit me again and said, two for flinching. I was then that I learned that the most important lesson when dealing with humans, whatever you do, don't falter. They will respect you as equals if you hold firm. I think they respect the ability to take a full force of their attack without the need to defend, as though you trust them as a friend. End of story. Story number two. A Dingy Bar, written by Alwyn123. You're about to take a seat at a regular bar stall haunt when you notice the human. You consider briefly turning back and going home, but you can't bear the thought of another night in a dirty, depressing slum without a familiar numbing relief of alcohol worming its way through your veins. So, with a little fanfare, you sit in the stool next to the mayfly and nod to the bartender. Without a word, he furnishes you with your usual. You stare off to the white liquid for a moment before drawing it in one, wincing slightly at the taste. Seven hundred years and it still kicks like a bitch when I'm way down, you curse, waving for another. The human snorts and you're filled with indignation. It takes a moment, but you manage to school your features and ignore him. He'd be dead within a century. What was the point? In the end, it was the humans that spoke first. How long have you been here? He asked, surprisingly clearly, for the number of drinks he'd had. You ignore him. Hey, I'm talking to you, dumbass. What do crap you have in your ears? Now it's just like the human to stoop to vulgarities. You don't turn to look, but the subject of your ire can clearly see the disdain written across your face as you reach for another drink. A pale limb stops you. You growl menacingly. The human is unimpressed. I get it. Oh, do I. You're too good to talk to a human. What's the point, am I right? He'll be dead in the blink of an eye. His voice filled with something acrid and bitter. You turn. Of course, you reply, deadpan. Pleasant surprise to meet you, human who knows their place in the galaxy. Instead of doing something stupid enough to get himself kicked out, which he'd hoped, the human only simply scowls at you. That's real rich coming from you. Look around yourself, you bastard. Several hundred years, you said. You had seven hundred years, and you pissed it away. You're the one that's about to do something stupid now, and you managed to keep it under control. Just barely. The alcohol isn't doing you any favors. Go away, you ground out. Go and breed a million more of your kind. He stands. The stool makes a painfully grating noise that attracts the attention of everyone around you. 
You think I'm stupid? You think that just because I don't live to be 5,000 like the rest of you, I'm worth nothing? I've heard what you bastard call us. Mayflies. Mayflies because we die so quickly, right? Because we breed so quickly, yeah? You're about to taunt him again, make him embarrass himself in front of the crowd. But he speaks again before you can reposit. But let me tell you something, buddy. You've got what? A millennium on me? I'm 28, so you must be what? Whatever. Old. But look, he gestures at the bar. We're both here. Your point? You ask, heart sinking. He smiles and it's rotten, ugly thing. We're both losers. Sick, you've been a loser for hundreds of years, and I've only been one for a month. The argument strikes a chord with the rest of the crowd, who, like you, are keenly hurt by the observation. It brings up old memories and self-doubts, drags along dead hopes that could have beens, would have beens. The human speaks again, and this time glad for the distraction. Anger is so much easier than regret. We, humans, have only been around for a few centuries. Nothing for you guys, am I right? You all probably remember the day that we were found. Lord, we must have been a sight, wallowing in the muck of our dirt ball, begging for help for a way out. But you didn't give it. You argued and debated, voted and achieved consensus and deliberated. Us. We decided that we didn't want to wait anymore. So we busted our rears and worked. We took out your scraps and made something out of it. It took us several lifetimes, but we did it. We turned debris into ships and your trash into technology. A hundred years ago, we were nothing. Today, we're your biggest threat. Silence. The human looked around as if daring anyone to argue. He turned back to you, and a small lump in his throat bobs up and down. We don't live as long as you do, but what truck can tell, that's a blessing. It takes an entire decade for you to even decide where to move your fleets. It takes a century even to plan a building, much less a colony or a war. That's the difference between us. Yeah, you sit on your asses and talk. We go out there and get crap done. Is why, in a century, we've gained control of more star systems than you've gotten in tens of thousands of years. It's why, we've made more discoveries in the past month than all of you combined have made in the past century. He trails off, panting heavily. He takes a moment to regain himself and his composure. Calmed, he speaks again. Living for so long's made you content. Stagnant. It's time for a paradigm shift, buddy. Wake up, call. That's us. The human's arms light up as he transfers the credit for his drink. The bartender own glows in response, slack at his side. The human makes to leave, but turns back to you at the last moment, his voice loud and impassioned, now softer and almost gentle. It's never too late, you know, he opines with a low voice. Doesn't have to be this way. Where are you going, he blurt out, consumed by a sudden feeling that you can't put a name to it, but it must have felt at once. He smiles, and it's bright. Hopeful thing to do something. And he's gone. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below. For you to help with but the easiest way would be to share this video and if you are so inclined subscribe as well i will see you all in the next episode and i hope that you all have a fantastic time until then cheers